Um, so for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Emmy and I head up the youth work here at Christchurch. I'm really excited. Thank you very much. One whoop. Um, I'm very excited to um, yep, carry on the series that we've been looking at, which is um, Disciples of Jesus um, and looking at kind of attitudes and attributes um, that followers of Jesus should be following and reflecting in their day to day life. Um, and for me this morning, I'm going to be specifically looking at how Christians, we, when open to the Holy Spirit, can be empowered and equipped with spiritual gifts. So the Holy Spirit has always been God's way of regenerating his people in new life, in particular his spiritual leaders, um, such as kings and priests um, in the Old Testament. Um, but actually after the Pentecost in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to all believers to enable them to carry out a wide variety of ministries that God had called them to and to guide them as they proclaimed the good news of the gospel. And these came in the form of spiritual gifts. Empowered by the same and the one, um, one spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, these gifts are given for the common good and are used to build up our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as well as to build and equip the church to carry out the ministry that Christ had called us to until he returns. So in scripture, there are several places where various different spiritual gifts are listed. Um, I will be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 in particular. And while I will mention some of the gifts um, individually, I won't be spending lots of time on them individually. So if you are interested to see where they are listed, these particular verses behind me um, will be helpful. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not an definitive list. So um, if you do read that, there will be other spiritual gifts that maybe aren't mentioned specifically in scripture. So for this session, I will be looking at three points. And um, that is through these gifts, we should be encouraging and building up one another as individuals. We should be striving to build up the church. And finally, how do we grow and nurture these spiritual gifts in particular? So we as a church here at Christ Church, as well as the wider context of the church throughout the world, we should be clear on the nature and the purpose behind these spiritual gifts. So my first point is, spiritual gifts are given to one another to build up and strengthen each other in their faith. Paul first speaks of spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually and encouraged um, by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So when reading this, the word in part suggests that he was delivering a gift of some sort, but that's not what he's saying here. He actually wants to bless people with the benefits of the gifts he's been given. So basically, he wants to gift people with the gifts that he's received. And though gifts are there to enjoy, be enjoyed by the individual, they are more solely, importantly, used to deliver and strengthen those around us. Because otherwise, what happens is we keep the spiritual gifts and then we won't use them and we'll keep them to ourselves. And that's not the point of spiritual gifts and not for our own blessing, particularly. It's a bit like when we receive a gift here on earth. So say, for example, James received a football or more of a terrifying thought, Jacob received a car. Um, believe me, that is a terrifying thought if you know Jacob. So if um, these guys received these gifts, sure, they could enjoy them as individuals. They could certainly kick a football around on their own and they could certainly drive around on their own, which I'm sure Jacob will do at some point. I'll be praying for his family. So, but 
actually what they should be doing and could be doing with these gifts is blessing other people. So for example, James could be taking his football to the park so that he could invite his friends and enjoy a game of football on a Sunday evening in the summer. That way he's blessing other people with his gift that he's received. And Jacob could bless other people who are unable to get to hospital appointments or unable to do food shopping or unable to afford public transport. He could bless people with his gift. And as someone who doesn't drive, I can say I'm particularly grateful to those who have ferried me around for the last five years because actually it can be quite stressful to try and get to and from places. Um, so Jacob and James there had a gift that they could both use to bless other people. But unlike these particular earth-given gifts and spiritual gifts, is that actually God gives us his spiritual gifts to bless other people primarily, and that is it. We cannot keep our spiritual gifts to ourselves, and like James and Jacob, they would be able to, you should be able to bless other people with your spiritual gifts. We don't keep them and hide them away for ourselves. That's the wrong state of heart to have. We should be ultimately yearning to build those up around us in their faith, and our hearts should be reflecting this as well. So when we look at the word strength in Romans 1, that particular translation is also used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And you'll see here that he wasn't talking about bodily strength, but he was actually talking about spiritual strength. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we sent Timothy, our brother and servant in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen you in your faith and to exhort you that no one will be moved in their afflictions. So to strengthen someone with your spiritual gift to help their faith build is a way of helping them not let their faith dwindle when things get difficult in their lives. We unfortunately as a nation and throughout the world have had a very difficult, stressful couple of years due to COVID and various other things that have been happening also behind closed doors. It's been stressful, it's been emotional, it's been difficult and it's brought in various different turmoils for everyone, including emotional, financial, spiritual and physical difficulties. It's fair to say that our sales have certainly taken a battering in this particular storm that has come our way. And unfortunately, these storms are going to continue to come for when we are facing our enemies and when we live in a fallen world, the storms will continue to come. But I can say as a person individually that I am extremely grateful and can be confident in the fact that I have had so many people around me who have imparted their spiritual gifts to bless me and build me up in my faith when it has been difficult. In, for example, preachers, uh, words of knowledge, prophecies, encouraging words, all of which are forms of spiritual gifts. And I can say that I have been built up and I have been strengthened and I have been given confidence through how they have imparted their spiritual gifts on me. And as followers of Christ, we should, should be striving to build up our fellow and brothers and sisters around us, to love each other, especially those who are facing a difficult time in their faith. It says through Christ, we are, who strengthens us, we should be able to reflect that in what we're doing with those around us. But with that in mind, and as vessels of the Spirit, we must have a desire for it. We can't be closed off. We can't have stone hearts. We can't simply want it because we want recognition or to be told that we're fantastic. But actually, we should be open to these gifts for one reason, and that is to earnestly seek to expand and build God's kingdom. And if we have that right heart, we will receive the spirit. And in that sense, we will also receive spiritual gifts. Unfortunately, we live, like I said before, we live in a fallen world. Um, and the, a widespread issue that we have amongst human nature is that the desire to build up one another has been overshadowed by the desire to tear one another down. And this happens throughout, not just in churches, but throughout. 
And it's something that actually can often overshadow the desire to build one another up. It is the path of least resistance. It's a lot easier and takes a lot, effort, le lot less effort to say things about people behind their back, to tear per a person down when you don't agree with the way they've done something or you believe you can do it better. But actually, a path that maybe has more obstacles, maybe takes more time, maybe will be more frustrating and filled with more letdowns and disappointments is that of building one another up and encouraging one another when things get difficult. I can ask you these questions. How are you using your spiritual gifts when other people are faltering? How can we be engaging with those who need guidance and discipleship? And are we persisting with those who aren't seeking a quick fix, but actually seeking community and fellowship? Like I said, this path will have moments of disappointment and frustrations and heartbreak, but it is where we're called and where our spiritual gifts be used, not for our own self-gratification, but for those around us. As Duncan was preaching a few weeks ago, we are called to be disciples who make disciples. And with the gift of the Holy Spirit, who in turn equips us with spiritual gifts, we should have this command in our hearts to be able to use them and deliver them with a humble heart and a desire. So when we wake up, let's be the sort of person, and this is difficult for me because I'm not a really bouncy, joyful person. I ask my young people, I'm pretty blunt, pretty straightforward in the way I approach things. But actually, I want the desire, and I encourage you to have the desire to wake up and be one of those people that when people come across your path, they walk away from you feeling emboldened, feeling encouraged, feeling confident in God's promises, and feeling fulfilled and knowing that they have an almighty God who is rooting for them as individuals. So ask yourself this question, how am I building up my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ with the giftings that I have been gifted? So I now want to move on to my second point and looking at the wider context, how can spiritual gifts be given to build up the church? So I've spoken about earnestly desiring spiritual gifts and with that we should be building one another up as individuals. We must also remember that the church should not be filled with lone wolves. We're not all individuals that are milling around on our own, doing our own thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. These gifts are not limited to those who stand on stage or those who are employed by the church. They are for all people who know and love Jesus. Paul says that very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All people who know and love Jesus, who have committed their lives to him, both young and old, can be filled with the Spirit, and therefore, when eagerly desired for the right reasons, receive spiritual gifts that can build up the church. So children, young people, new Christians, it's not just for spiritual maturity that we're looking for. Age and maturity in your faith shouldn't be something that deters you from seeking and asking. It's again about the state of your heart. All those who live for Jesus and want to see his kingdom grow can be involved in the building up of the church. I want to say that again. It is for all people who know and love Jesus. It is not whether you're standing on the stage or you're employed by the church or you're a particularly confident person Spiritual gifts be used amongst all people who know and love Jesus. So don't be deterred by that. But if you are earnestly seeking and asking for those things, you will receive them. Because when we become a Christian, we are obeying and loving the same God. And with that, we are filled and baptized with the same spirit. It says in Ephesians 4, 
This is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and is in all. And with this, we are one body and we all share the same gift of the Holy Spirit. And with this gift, in addition, we are given a variety of gifts who are given to us, not for us given to bless those around us in the church and build up the church and the body of Christ. Because we are one church and we are one body, but with many different parts. So when you look at a human body, it is filled with various different parts that all do different things, but are all vital to the human body to help us grow, to help us move, to help us gain strength, to learn new skills. And it's the same for a church. We are all filled with lots of different members, all different personalities, all different um, ways of living, all different backgrounds but we are one church, and with that, we are one body in Christ. And like a human body, which is different parts, which all carry out different tasks, they are vital to help us grow, move, stay healthy, and we as members of the church should be helping to serve the whole body, which is the church. So I'm going to read a long extract where Paul demonstrates this really clearly in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you've got your Bibles in front of you, you can either read behind me or you can read what I've put on the screen. So I'm reading the ESV translation. So looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 onwards. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink from one spirit. For the, one, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would its sense of smell but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then Paul goes on to continue to highlight a problem that is seen amongst many churches. The belief that some roles or giftings in the church are more or less superior, or more or less important, or more or less vital to the growth of a church. So follow with me as I carry on with verse 21. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given greater honour to the part that lacks it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and are individually members of it. So we see here Paul paint a very clear picture how without all giftings being used in a church, it will become filled with one type of gift that is deemed bigger and more significant and falls short in the areas that, with spiritual gifts that seem more dispensable. And an unbalanced church will struggle to seek and serve the kingdom of God as it would if a spiritual gift is honoured and used. 
As Paul writes, if one part suffers, the whole church suffers. And if one part is rejoiced, the whole church can rejoice with them. All of us together are Christ's body and each and every one of us is a member of it. And because we all belong to one another and we should all look out for each other, the core factor that should drive us to serve our church is love. We should be rooted in love above all things. And this shouldn't be just expressed in when we give our spiritual gifts, but also the driving factor. As it says in Ephesians 4, one of my favorite verses, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have been called, with all humility, all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And then 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. These gifts should be used as an act of compassion and an expression of the love of Christ that works in us, which in turn should be used to strengthen the body, which is the church. And it's not a coincidence that these passages all use the image of a context over the body. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 all explicitly mention spiritual gifts in the context and the image of a body. And that is because diversity is the very essence of a body, especially in this picture that is painted by Paul, because no one part can be equal to the whole body. And it shows how important it is to have many parts that are different. It takes up many parts to make one body. God formed the church with the image of the body for different working parts that are each integral to its growth and where his gift of the Holy Spirit would aid us to do his work. So no individuals or elite groups, but a whole congregation of believers. And like I said, these gifts are not given with room for cliques or groups. They shouldn't be creating divisions or any forms of snobbery, which is actually what Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians 12, that there had become divisions in the church of Corinth, that the people were believing that they were better and more important because of the spiritual gifts that they had been bestowed. And while spiritual gifts are diverse and we are given them diversely, the purpose behind them is not. No spiritual gift identifies an individual or a group of people as more, imper- more important, better, or simply doing Christian life well. That's not how it works. We are all in debt to mercy, all of us, every single one of us. And therefore committed, we should be committed to minister to those around us as God is ministering us and continues to minister to us every single day. Because no one person has all the gifts. We all need each other. And while there is no room for self-sufficiency, there is also no room for dominating others. There is no unimportant members of the body of Christ. Sure, some might have a more public upfront role, but this does not make them more important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We cannot be individually all one thing or all play the same role in the church. Like, can you imagine if there was just hundreds of me? It wouldn't be a good image and not much would get done. And while all those around us might require a spiritual gift that you have been given for this time, we have all been rescued and brought out of the gutter to be filled and strengthened by the one spirit who can enable us to do the kingdom's work here on earth. So in our unity in Christ, there is diversity. So my final point now is looking How do we as individuals grow in our spiritual gifts? How do we use these blessings to further build up the church and also our fellow brothers and sisters? 
So my first point is to nurture and grow and use these gifts as much as we can where appropriate. So for those who don't know, I do the youth work here, but I also work in a GP surgery. Um, and it's going to sound weird when I say this, but I have the joy of being a phlebotomist. Uh, it's nothing to do with bottoms. I've had, seriously, so many people ask me that. It's like, it's nothing to do with bottoms. What kind of job would just, yeah, anyway. So it's phlebotomy. I basically um, do blood tests. And when I say that I enjoy that, yes, I'm aware that makes me weird, but I do really enjoy taking blood from people. It's, yes, I'm going to be open and admit that. Um, and I remember the first time I was told that I was going to have my own clinic, which is a big deal. You basically have a list of patients who are your responsibility and you call them in, you draw blood, make sure that they don't bleed all over there. They always wear white. People always wear white blood tests. I never understand that. Um, and then I send them on their way and it's great. And I remember being really, really nervous. And the first couple of clinics, there were a few mishaps. Um, it's fine. No one got really hurt. Um, but anyway, so I sent them on their way. Um, and, but the more I did it, the more confident I got and the more I was getting quicker and I was hitting the vein the first time and I was able to talk while I was doing it. Like during COVID, like when you're wearing a mask and you're like looking at someone, it must be quite scary as I'm just doing this, but like, oh, you can see this. So I had to learn how to talk to my patients so they weren't nervous. But then unfortunately, due to COVID, things got very busy in the GP surgery. So I had to um, come away from the clinical side and work more in admin, which meant that I wasn't doing phlebotomy as much which meant that I was kind of feeling like I was losing the skill a little bit because I wasn't doing it as much. And someone non-clinical, I'll point out, said to me, oh, but it's like riding a bike. Once you get back into it, you'll be fine. And I remember thinking, if I said that to my patients, I haven't done this for six months, but you're my first one, but it's like riding a bike, so we'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> I really felt like that wasn't going to fill them with much confidence. Um, and so it's true, like, I had to practice and I had to learn. And for those who do clinical work, it's true. Like The more you do something generally the more comfortable you become with doing it and it is like that with spiritual gifts they should not be neglected or forgotten about or ignored as with most things the lack of use means the gift will lose its strength and that's not because the spirit has failed or because the spirit has lost its strength it's because we as recipients have failed to grasp the importance behind what god is wanting us to do with them so it's worth remembering that spiritual gifts are given to those who are willing to be used the Spirit moves amongst those who have open hearts and willing hands. God has given us the gift, not only to share, as mentioned before, but also to aid us in his work on earth. The Spirit is never forced upon those, God's people, and will only ever be given when the right state of heart is in place and you are earnestly seeking to glorify God alone. Secondly, it's really important to identify this. Because the Spirit is a gift, given to us by God through his power and his power alone, it means that there is absolutely no room for human boasting and misusing these gifts. Any distinction that sets you apart from others in ability is owing to grace and grace alone. A grace that is freely given and not earned or deserved. So we can't boast in it. The Spirit doesn't give us gifts in order to each of us get our own self-important moments in the spotlight. He gives us gifts so that the, for the greater joy of Christ that we are able to pursue love through serving one another. So it's really easy, it's really easy to become comfortable with praise. It's really easy to sit there and be like, this is great. This is where I'm getting my daily fix. People are telling me a great affirmation. Um, and actually we can be led by that alone and nothing else. And that's when arrogance can start to creep in. With all gistings, not just the front facing ones, a problem of arrogance can become a foothold for some people. 
Are you possessive over the importance of your role in the church? Do you find yourself expecting things or compare yourself to those around you? Like Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12, it would be really easy for a foot to become depressed that it can't function like a hand. And the same is said about an eye and an ear. But because they are different, it does not mean that they aren't valuable to the church, but actually they're just as valuable as the one person next to them. These boasting tendencies might not come about in an obvious way, but they will creep in and take hold. And it's here when giftings are no longer a blessing, but to be misused. Challenge yourself this. Ask the question, who am I seeking to serve here? What is God asking for me? How can I use this gift to bless other people? Come back to the truth of the gospel and regain some focus before you go out and use your spiritual giftings. False humility is also something we can stumble on. I'm really bad at this. That is self-deprecating, that it's secretly asking for praise and recognition. So saying that you're rubbish at something because you want people to tell you that you're great, basically. And then we might actually feel like we're not great and that we actually do need a bit of a boost. The reason sometimes we express that is not because we want reassurance, but actually it's where we are rooted in other people's opinions on how great we are. But that isn't where we should be basing our confidence. Either of these paths is falling into the habit of self-reliance relying on our own strength or relying on other people's um, approval to encourage us, or falling into the temptation to rely on natural giftings. For example, a natural confidence in public speaking that seeps into preaching that then turns it into a speech instead of an exaltation of the Bible. So relying on our natural giftings can be a hindrance on our spiritual gifts. And while natural gifts are something that we all have when we're all created, non-Christians alike, And it's something that we will build up as we get older. It's something that will be nurtured by our surroundings, by the people around us. Spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit alone and are solely to be used to glorify him and him alone and should lead to Spirit-led confidence. Until these natural giftings that we have are seen as worthless in the building up of God's kingdom, we will continue to rely on self-confidence instead of Spirit-led confidence. So we all face difficult times. We all face times where we feel a bit lost, unsure where God is using us, unsure what the path that God is in front of us. But God has a plan, a plan that is fantastic and a plan for you specifically as individuals. He intends to use you all powerfully for his cause. And he never casts doubt on you, but he wants to aid you for his purpose. So with these thoughts in mind, when given these remarkable gifts, why would you choose to let them go unused? Why would you choose to keep them for yourself or use them to build up your own ego when God has a much bigger and better plan for the church? And how as we as a church can we be creating channels that are encouraging these gifts and in an effective way of doing so? We as a church body should be energetic and motivated to seek and be filled with the Spirit and then go forward and grow in our spiritual giftings and encouraging one another to do the same. I just want to invite the band to come up as I come to a close. So as I come to an end this morning, let you remind you of this. The purpose of all spiritual gifts is that in everything, God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. This means that God's purpose in giving us these gifts and giving us the faith to use them is that his glory might be seen and displayed. The Holy Spirit guides Christians in their faith and it's a seal upon them that they will be ultimately inherit all the blessings of Christ. 
And above all else, the Spirit is given to shine a light upon Jesus and direct the focus of our heart's confidence and adoration on him alone. The reality of all God's all-surrounding glory is overwhelming, but there is nothing more joy-filled, more thrilling, and more satisfying than not only finding our place in this glory unfolding, but that God wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of that story. Of course, these gifts um, given to here on earth are just a foretaste of the glory that will come in the second age. But in the meantime, with all of that in mind, and how our seemingly small gift can be a part of God's infinite glory that will take on substantial proportions, can be the, how can we be the sort of person that wakes up in the morning and thinks, how can I be used today as part of God's plan? A heart like that will never go wasted. The Holy Spirit won't let it. I'm just going to close in prayer. Your Heavenly Father, we just give thanks that you have faith in us, Lord, that you see us as willing members of your body, that you don't cast doubt on us, that you do not look down on us, Lord, that when you seek us and when we seek you, and if we've got the right heart that earnestly desires to be filled with your gift of the Spirit, that we are able to go out with more power than we had before, that we don't rely on our own strength, but we rely on your strength alone to do the almighty work here on earth. So I just pray, Lord, that we will not only be encouraged to fill with the Spirit, Lord, but also that we will go out and encourage one another to do the same. And through that, that we can build up the church, to build up a revival, not here just in Helsham, Lord, but throughout the world, so that all people will know the full glory of who Christ is and what he did for us on that cross. We thank you, Lord, for this, and we pray that we will continue to rest in you and keep our eyes fixed on you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>